I'm Tyler. I'm Shorty. I'm Ava. And welcome to, to the, the Inner, Inner Idiot. podcast contains graphic language, violence, and other things that you probably should not let your children listen to. Please enjoy. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everything in between, because I don't know what you identify as. If you have ugly kids, remember adoption is an option. If you need to set the deuce loose, set it loose fearlessly, people, because that's what we're here for. We're here to help you, especially this month. Welcome to the Inner Idiot. I am your host, the bald, the beautiful, the brash, the bumbling, and often most the bastardly. I don't know how to talk. That's okay. I'm your host, Tyler Havlin. I'd say two claps and a Ric Flair, but it doesn't work that way. You can't give give yourself one. Two claps and a Ric Flair for Tyler Havlin. Woo! Oh, man, did you hear that woo? It was like a choir. Yeah, we got this. It was. Oh, you hear his voice. That's right. He's the Lord that's never bored. The born-again virgin. That's not. <laughs> the commander of the comic books. Don't take his name in vain. He's been grabbing, petting kitties and grabbing titties since 91. Wow, I am bumbling today. Two claps and a Ric Flair for Lord Shorty Fresh in the flesh. Woo! How you doing today, Shorty? God bless. Like, I don't want to be the born-again virgin. I also, like, I also don't, like, <laughs> you know I don't particularly care for the grabbing, you know, what is it? Kitties Petting and kitties and titties? grabbing titties. You know I'm not a huge fan of that one, but I did take out the licking butts and busting nuts for you. I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that. You know, whatever. But it's it's okay. I'm here, I'm here to take you out of your comfort zone. Sure. I I trust me. I know since episode <laughs> one. All right. Well, Miss Ava B is on sabbatical, so we have a new redhead sitting in for the day. Oh boy. That's right. He'll steal your heart, but not your credit scores, lady. He's on fire, but he does smoke, and that's okay. He'll pap any, he'll smear any pap you bring him. That's right. Phew, I, I am bumbling it up today. Two claps and Ric Flair for Doctor Miles Sham. <laughs> Woo! Oh, I'm glad my fake PhD was acknowledged. Well, I, you're not supposed to tell people it's fake. That defeats the purpose, Professor. I'm pretty sure I will get in trouble for personifying a doctor otherwise well i mean as long as you don't like go at anybody you know what i'm saying like as long as you're not performing anything or like give anybody like whatever like field you choose like like you said earlier like if if it's in optometry like don't sit there and say like hey your eyes are fucked you know what i'm saying or like hey you have really good eyesight and they're like super bad and nearsighted or some shit very true don't falsify any documentation, especially don't write anything down. Like, hey, you probably got cancer, you motherfucker, and write he, that he shit is down. He's a doctor. He is, he's got his doctorate in idiotism. He it, is a doctor. We're a church, not a school guy. It damn doesn't it. matter. There are doctors in Christianity. Yeah, so I think it would be like a idiotology. Idiology. Idiology. Yes. Yeah. Is. Isn't there a movie about that? I have no Idiocracy idea. Or Idiocracy. That's I think I think that's what it is. Something like that. I actually saw that for the first time. It's an old movie, but I saw it for the first time like two years ago. And it was actually decent. Well, who is it? Uh, um, fuck. It's one of the Wilson brothers. Um, 
Luke Wilson? No, that's not what I'm talking about then. Oh. Terry Crews is in it as the pre- president. Yeah, we're not we're not talking oh. about the same film. Some comedian some comedian goes around and like talks like talks to people about religion and stuff like that and like kind of dissects it or whatever and wants to learn more. Oh. Whatever. I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up. We'll figure it out. Well, we'll know we've made it once he goes around and talks about idiotism. Yeah, that'll be great. It will be great. And and we got three people today, so it still is a religion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ava yeah. still believes whether she's here or not. You know, her right. her heart's in the right place. She will still be the holy sister, Miss Ava B. We'll give her two claps and a Ric Flair, even though she ain't here. That's right. Woo! We hope you feel better, Miss Ava. All right, so it's uh, November, and this is a month that's very near and dear to some of us. Yeah. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Men's uh, National Mental Health Month? Yep. Did I butcher that? Uh, or is it just men's? Men's Mental Health uh, Month Awareness. Yeah. I put an N where there shouldn't have been one. That's okay. It's all good. It happens. It's great. So uh, today's top five is top five things we do for the betterment of our own mental health. Mm-hmm. Shorty, you want to start us off here? Um, sure. One that's uh, a lot of people get very confused about um, for me uh, when I talk about it, at least my struggles with mental health or whatever, is I like to work a lot, keeping my mind busy and keeping it off of like whatever's going on. Because while I'm at work, I can focus on work. I don't have to sit there and dwell on my own thoughts or whatever that may be. I can, you know, worry about what's going on, what I got to do, and everything like that. And I can move on from topic to topic. It's not something that I have to sit there and dwell on. Because um, one of the biggest struggles, you know, um, you know, Miles knows a lot about this. You know, you you know a lot about this. You know, you know, everybody listening has struggled with mental health. You know, at least some point in time in their life. Um, distracting yourself is one of the easiest ways to cope, and you know, working for me is one of the best ways to do it. Um, uh, number four, or this is in no particular order, um, but talking with my friends in one-on-one conversations, I get a lot of, I get a lot of really good conversation with, uh, Otto, with Trevor, uh, Miles, he's recently stepped up a whole lot and like just shown up out of nowhere, just like, Hey, I'm coming over to your house. And sometimes don't even get a text, just and door opens like, Hey buddy. And that's about it. And we just sit and, you know, we did this, what was it Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, Saturday. He just come up, showed up over the house and he was like, What's up, man? I was like, Not a lot. And we just sat around a bullshit for like four or five hours. And that's that to me does more than like I've been in therapy you know, for a while and that does more for me than therapy ever has. Like talking with somebody who like understands and you're reaffirming your own um existence essentially. Uh with that and I think that's more helpful than anything you know reaffirming your own existence and you know validating what you know like your feelings and stuff like that it's a huge huge step in the right direction um recording honestly like I've said this before you know I told you yesterday actually that like recording with you and Ava helps me out more than you guys actually know um because I love you making stupid ass jokes, That's crack, what I'm here for. cracking me up, bringing some weird shit. Ava calling you out on your stupid shit. That's what she's there for. Fucking giving you the side eye, dude. It's some of my favorite memories have happened in this room very recently, and it's just us dying from laughter of whatever stupid shit is said. Like, you guys have helped me out a tremendous lot, and I like. I even go back and listen to our own episodes and shit, just just so I can relive the moment. You know what I mean? And I. I laugh still, you know, there's certain, certain episodes I will cry laughing at 
and it's the same part. Like I'll be laughing with myself almost in tune. I, I'm still afraid to listen to the last episode. I have not listened to Church of the Idiot yet. Oh God! Because it was so much chaos. Bro, it was, it was, it was a, it was, it was fuckery. I, I can tell you from listening to it at work, it, it flowed pretty good for being a bunch of uh, thrown together nonsense. Yeah, so. it was, it was, it was, it was bullshit and a half. Um, next up is talking with my parents. Um, my parents, like my dad always claims that he's not as wise as he is, but he's got a lot of life experience and he went, you know, he himself has struggled with mental health a lot in his life. You know, he lost his mother at a young, fairly young age. He was in his, um, mid twenties when his mother passed away and it took a real big toll on him and. You know, being able to talk to him kind of about depression or whatever, like he actually understands and whatnot. My mom gets it too, but me and my dad, especially as an adult, and kind of like opening up about it, you know, because as a kid, you know, you kind of make sly jokes and stuff like that and kind of cover your your pain with humor. That's a lot of people's coping mechanism, and um, it is one, as I've gotten older, I've gotten away from. It's one I don't enjoy because it doesn't help me at all, And uh, but talking with my dad he's able to bring a lot of different insight and stuff like that and you know making me realize you know and this goes along with like talking to my friends and everything else um making me realize that my me and my thoughts are not alone in the world um feeling isolated and stuff like that like i'm not the only one who feels like this people are like-minded and they're also struggling and when you're not alone you thrive and that's a huge thing um but the fifth thing the most popular thing on my list is playing D and D, like I've said it before on a few other things, um, other podcasts and things, that it is D and D is one of the most therapeutic things I have ever done in my life. Being able to play as Clarence, like that is one of the accidental heartwarming characters I have ever played in my entire life, hands down. And I mean. The moment I I came up with him was just as a joke, and then I enjoyed playing him just because he was old, he was klutzy, and you know he was kind of a fumbling fool. And then we got to play him again in your campaign, Miles, and I just I ran with him, and all of a sudden he became like the star of the show for no reason, and like this eighty-two-year-old man is walking around the middle of the woods with a goblin and a um. What is it? Earth, Earth Genasi, yeah. And he's just, he's out making friends. And dude, it was just the stuff that we would do. And like, especially with my past of being so violent and stuff like that, I was able to diffuse almost every situation I came across. Because nobody wants to fight an old man, but they'll listen to him. So like even goblins and, you know, kobolds and everything would stop and like, hold on, this man's not a threat. And then I would start talking, and all of a sudden, I have friends of all kinds. Shit, I'll fight an old man, easy win. Yeah, exactly. No, no, you don't You don't fight no old man. Especially if they trip and fall first. Then it's like, bad form, bad form, bad form. But no, it's D&D has seriously been it's a savior. You're thinking it's an easy win. He's just setting up a long con, like, oh my god, he fell. I can get him. Then you get close, Kane. You're done. Yeah. This could be true. What if he unscrews the end of the cane and stabs you. Yeah, it's terrible. Stare. Yeah, but no, it's, I mean, it's, D&D has helped me out through several dark parts of my life and stuff like that, and, you know, the guys, you, you know, have all been a part of that and just really, really helped me out, and it's been 
it's a blast. I would suggest everybody give it a shot and don't think too much about it. Just make something silly, and eventually it'll turn into the most heartwarming thing you've ever made. Right, because D&D is what you make it. It's mm-hmm. not like people are like, oh, it's nerd shit. I was one of those people. Sure. But then you play it and you realize, like, it's only nerd shit if, like, you make it that way. Yeah. And that's depending on what your definition of nerd is. Like, mm-hmm. if you think it's something stupid, it's because you made it stupid. Sure. Like, it is what you make it, period. And, I mean, there's there's so many other tabletop role-playing games. Like, there's ones based around modern world society going into hell in a handbasket and, and zombies are running loose. You know, Call of Cthulhu is, you know, the mid-turn of the century in the 1800s. So, I mean, like, a lot of that stuff is at that point. You know, you have steampunk-themed shit. You have pirates you have you know medieval you know you have the medieval setting which is basically D or whatever and then you have real world medieval settings i mean you have religious settings i mean there's all kinds of weird stuff you know sci-fi and included i mean it's it's super expansive like there is definitely a genre of role-playing game for everybody like i'm not saying D is it i mean D is what i prefer but there is a setting out for everybody if you like one specific niche Chances are there's a role-playing game for it. I guarantee it. But yeah, that's my top five of the ways I keep myself um, out of my own head and help with my mental health. It's good answers, good answers. Yeah, Family all right. Yeah. <laughs> and next, Doctor. Let's hear your list. All right. Uh, no real order. Uh, and not all of these are necessarily good ways to cope with things. Either. Sure. But you uh, recognize they're not good ways. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But they're still a way, nonetheless, to kind of help get through. So, uh, first off, here I have uh, like disassociating. Mm. You know, so that can be anything. You know, like Shorty said, you get busy at work. Mm-hmm. You're able to focus on your task at hand and kind of muddle through. You know, diving into reading, gaming, hobbies of any kind like that. It's all just a way to pull you back from that mental state. You know, and a lot of it helps. Uh, friends and family, you know, hanging out with you guys, you know, me and Shorty talking, me and you talking, you know, just having kind of someone that helps bear that load a little bit, give you some new insight. It's all very helpful. Uh, we have alone time and this this can go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you don't like to be alone. It's very bad because you're kind of stuck with your thoughts. Right. Other times you almost need to be alone to be able to, you know, just unload it yourself, cry, be angry, you know, beat up a pillow, <laughs> whatever it takes, you know, but that's your alone time. I prefer fornicating with the pillow before beating it up. It's a weird thing to say, but okay, continue. <laughs> I mean, as long, as long as it gives you a good time, man, that's right. that's what's important. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you do you, bugaboo, but... Uh, I do me and the pillow. Golly. You opened it up. <laughs> I just walked through. The, I can tell. <laughs> no. <laughs> just, just no. We're going to close that door. Nah, I'll open it later. Don't worry. Uh, uh, then we have stuff, you know, like uh, you covered a little bit like self deprecating humor mm-hmm. you know it's not good to do but at the same time like getting those little like quips out and like just letting that little bit go at your own expense sure sometimes can make you feel a little bit better because it's just it's you putting it out there mm-hmm. 
So, you know, you get a negative reaction, a good reaction. Sometimes it doesn't matter. You just want some kind of, here it is, some some kind of feedback in either direction just to feel a little bit sure better. And then uh, sensory items. You know, I made the joke before we started about, like, ASMR. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, I have things, you know, little bracelets to mess with or mm-hmm. you know, hoodie strings. Just something that you can touch and hold on to that's, like, real. It kind of pulls you back. Sure. Kind of like the same idea of, like, a fidget spinner or, you know, whatever. Like, that. you know, like, people say that's for ADHD and stuff like that. But that's, no, it's a sensory item. And that's that's a good way to be. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So your list? That is my list. This is a good list. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed you. both your lists. Good list, good list, good you list. You guys are way deeper than me, and everybody knows that, and that's okay. So so my list is centers around like the things I have wrong with me. So I, I do suffer from ADHD. I have my whole life. Mm-hmm. I suffer from Tourette's, depression. The way I deal with it, it, it's good for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but it's definitely good for me. So right. I'll just start it off with, and, and mine are in no particular order either. I'll start it off with self-deprecating humor. For me, it's a good thing, and I'm going to explain why. Sure. I don't think it's bad. So the way I look at it is I have lines I won't cross in humor. Mm -hmm. There's not many of them. Yeah. (laughs) But there are lines. There Mm -hmm. are things that I don't find funny. So what I like to do is is I'll make fun of myself. Mm -hmm. And here's, here's, here's why I do it. Because if I can laugh about something that I feel is wrong with me or something that I feel is not going the way I want it to go, if I can laugh about it, it tells me that, hey, it's not that bad. You can either fix it or you can just live with it. It, sure. it really isn't a bad thing, being overweight, being bald. I make fun of these things. These things truly bother me. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, one of them is my own fault and the other one I can't help, but I can laugh about them. So that tells me it's not that bad. I can deal with these things. Sure. You know what I mean? So the self-deprecation, that's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And if it's some, there has been times when I've made fun of myself and I was not able to laugh about it. So that's like, all right, well then I need to find a fucking solution for this. There's shit. that's a line, like yeah, yeah, that's where you draw a line. Like yeah. okay, that's when you realize something is a problem. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we'll, now we'll go back to the being alone thing. Here's the thing: when I'm feeling depressed, alone is not a good place for me. No. It's not. I feel like I need it. But it never helps. Mm-hmm. But what I do when I'm alone is I talk to myself. I sure. would have a full-blown conversation with myself, replay events, replay conversations, and have them with myself mm-hmm. to see where I went wrong or to see where maybe somebody triggered me sure. or something like that. So I talk to myself a lot. And, and yes, I talk back. It is like a full-blown conversation. Well, it's I, great. I'm going to record one of them one a day <laughs> just so I can go back and make fun of it afterwards. I mean, I I talk to myself consistently all throughout work and stuff like that. And that's why, like, that right there is exactly why I don't, like, I can't I can't be alone because I drive myself up a wall. Because that's why I work so much because none of my friends are available as much as I can work. So I just stay there. <laughs> and, and that's why, like, so, like, I can't sleep with – I have to have something on when I sleep. Music, yeah. a TV, something. Mm-hmm. I need some form of chaos to occupy my brain or else I will just sit there and have conversations with I'm the same exact way, eight dude. fucking hours same exact until it's way. time to wake up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that. Like, well, how you sleep with a TV on? Well, this is, this is why. Because if it's not on, if there's not music, if there's not something, I'm not going to sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. I can't help it. Right. It's the way my brain works. Um, the next one is this podcast and it feels like the cliche answer, but it really is the right answer because it falls into another one of my, 
It falls into two other coping coping mechanisms. The <laughs> self-deprecation, the, the making fun of myself, and then it's also going to tie into another one I got coming up. But talking to you guys, having guests on, getting different points of views. Sure. I struggle with wanting people to like me. So, like, when I get positive feedback from these shows also, like, that really helps my my mental health. Like, yeah. that helps me. It boosts your self-esteem. Yeah. When people are like, hey, you guys are fucking hilarious, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. All right. So, the next one on my list is sex and masturbation. No, that makes complete sense. And, yeah. And here's the thing. That's, that goes hand in hand with people liking me. Like, if my old lady has sex with me, I'm like, damn, she likes me enough to touch my PP. Like that's that's pretty fucking awesome. If I masturbate, I'm like, mm, I like myself enough to touch my PP. Mm-hmm. Because dicks ain't pretty. No. They're not. No. And if I'm willing to touch something that ugly, or they're willing to touch something that ugly just to to make me happy, it's like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I do like the uh, usage of PP. It's <laughs> genitalia. <laughs> It just, it just feels so it's fucking, natural. It's on point. It is. Isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's something. It's something, that's for damn sure. Whether it be myself, another person, a pillow, it doesn't matter. I told you I'd open that door back up. <laughs> Sometimes you got to find just that perfect pillow. God bless it. All right, how many was that? I think I got one, one left in me, and the last oh, one is helping others or making others laugh. Mm-hmm. Because... There's something about when you're feeling down, making somebody else feel better mm-hmm. that makes you feel better. Sure. I don't know if it's just human nature or if that's just how some of us are wired, but seeing other people happy and knowing I'm a part of that or just opening somebody's eyes to something or anything along those lines, it always helps me tremendously. Sure. You know, one thing, as you're saying that, one thing that I I know I bring, it gives me a lot of joy is seeing, seeing someone talk about something they are absolutely passionate about. And it almost like it almost is as if they dissociate you from the conversation and they're just speaking like they're not talking to you about it. They're just saying why they love something, you know, whatever it may be. Like I you've seen me do it with comic books where I'll just go on rants, you know, like everybody, anybody who's known me for any amount of time and has seen me talk about comic books and doesn't interrupt me like I can just go. Because it's something I love. I've seen everybody go on and on and on and on. Like you with comedy, you're you you have this shit in your head as a fucking science, and to me it blo- like it blows my mind because I would never look at comedy that way, and because you're passionate about it, and when you talk to me about it, like there's not a word I can fucking say that will get you off of that track. You know, I just I just sit there for fucking twenty minutes and listen. You know what I mean? Like I see Otto do it with Greek mythology and, you know, or uh, not even just Greek, just any mythology, you know, and he just goes nuts and nuts and nuts with it. And of course, I'm going to ask questions and stuff because I'm curious. You know, I do the same thing with you and, you know, even Miles, you know, just I need to learn. I want to hear it. You know, if you, if it is passionate, if it is enough for you guys to talk passionately about, it's something that I want to learn because I care about you guys. You know, it's something that you can share an interest in. And if I learn something cool, like, hey, did you know this? And you guys can say either no, that's interesting, or yes, here's some more facts about that and just educate me further. And that's – I love doing that. And, and that's one of the best parts about it is when somebody else can pull you into their world. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it, it broadens your horizons mm-hmm. and it gets you into things that, or it makes you try things that you wouldn't typically try that eventually could become a coping mechanism. Like when mm-hmm. did you start playing D&D? 
Um, it was not that long ago. Well, I mean, comparatively, right? No, it was only. Let's see. I was about twenty-four when I started, and um, it was just because I had a bad experience when I was a teenager. Um, it was just super boring. I did not enjoy it. I was like, nah, screw this. I'm not playing again. And then Camden um, and a few other guys I worked with were just like, Shorty, you got you to gotta come play. You would absolutely love it. I was like, ah, well, you know, I'm not sure. But, like, I love talking to these, you know, four guys. I'm like, fine. I love talking to you guys. You're guys that are a huge amount of fun. Let's, let's go check it out. And I had an absolute blast. I went out the very next day. And, like, I dragged my girlfriend to the comic book store for a second time that week. And she was like, this is too much. We can't do this. <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, we got to get books. And she was like, no, you already bought all your comic books for the week. I was like, we're not buying comic books. We're buying D&D books. She goes, I swear to God. <laughs> she goes, are you going to become obsessed with this like you are uh, comics? And I was like, solid maybe. I was like, if I had as much fun the first time and I have that much fun every time, I was like, it's going to get bad. And I mean, I I would sit there and talk to her for hours about it. Just like you, you're not gonna believe the what I just read, you know, or what I just did in this campaign or whatever, you know. And, and she she loved listening to me talk about it. And it, and it's great brain exercise. Oh yeah, like, it's absolutely. And and that's that in itself is an example of somebody else being passionate mm -hmm. about something, pulling you into it, and then it becoming a mainstay in your world. Yeah. It's it's so much fun doing that. You got anything to add, Miles? Doctor. <laughs> no, I mean that's that's really the biggest part of any of it is just being there for whoever needs it and having people be there for you in return. Right, right. One of the biggest things I think is a lot of people struggle with is asking for help. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it cuz I'm really bad about that. I don't I don't ask for help for anything. Like I'm I'm always by myself with it, you know, if somebody's like, "Hey, I mean, you've seen me do this like, you know, "Hey, we need to get this for the podcast." Dope. Three hours later, I send you a screenshot of the receipt. Like, here yep. we go. We're done. It's like, oh, man, come on. You know, Ava, she was, you know, she looks at something when we're out or whatever, and she's like, oh, wow, that looks really pretty. Do you want it? Well, I don't have the money for it. I didn't ask that. Do you want it? And she's like, she's asked me before, like, why do you do this? I'm like, does it make you happy? Yes. Then that's enough for me. If it brings you a fucking smile, by golly, I'll do it. It's when I ask people out to lunch and shit. Like, hey, you want to go get lunch? Oh, I don't have the money. I didn't fucking ask that asshole. Oh, that's, I, I hate that response the most. I don't have money. Let's ask for money. I ask for you to come to lunch. Yeah. Like, it's not, I don't care. Like, the food is, you know, the food is something you can, like, do while you're talking. And it took me years for me to get one of my friends to fully understand that. Because she's, she's perpetually broke. <laughs> and. You got to uh, eat. Yeah. And this is time we can spend together. Yeah. So, and in. We always have very good conversations or whatever, and, like, for years, she was always, Shorty, I don't have the money. Like, I always feel bad because you're always buying lunch. I was like, I'm not going to out to eat with you because I want to eat. I'm going out to eat so we can spend time together. And she was like, well, why? She said, why don't we just spend time together? I was like, you're hungry? She's like, well, yeah. I was like, then let's kill two birds with one stone. And, exactly. And I'm fucking, you know, I'm starving a lot. So, like, yeah. let's go. Like, I'm always thinking about food, dude. Like, let's go get some munchies, bro. I'm fucking hungry right now. <laughs> I, I, got, I ate some ramen before you got here. I went to the store. I got here. Donnie was fiddling with some ramen. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get some ramen. I went and got some chili ramen. I had an upset stomach. It didn't okay. help. Oh, that's It's gone now, though. I, I muddled through it. Mm -hmm. I, I 
fucking soldiered on, it's gone now. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's funny. So, before we go to break today, in case you don't make it through the entire episode, I'm going to repeat this before we go to every break. If you ever need a help, somebody to talk to, shoot us a, a line. We're here for you. And there's also the suicide hotline that you can call. It is mm-hmm. 800-273-8255. So, we're going to go to break. We'll come right back. And we love y'all. We'll talk to you more about it. Yeah. Hit the button. Okay. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. back if there's one thing i want anybody and everybody to take away from this episode is do what makes you happy and if you ain't happy we're here for you we're here to help but in the name of my mental health like i said i like to laugh and miles told us a story off air so doctor would you please tell us about the monkeys okay (laughs) so the monkey story here it's i heard it offhandedly so I, I looked it up to get a little bit more. It's saying it is an organizational culture and kind of like how people get their mindset put in place. So it's not saying it happened. It's not saying it didn't happen. I'm going with it happened. Is it, <laughs> but it makes a good story. Yeah. The premise <clears throat> is it starts with five monkeys, chimps, whatever. They're all in one room cage. There's a ladder in the middle. Bananas on top. First, you know, monkey to climb up and grab bananas, got the bananas. The other four (laughs) were hit with ice water. This continues. After a while, whatever one went up to get the bananas, got the shit kicked out of it by the other four. (laughs) And this continued. Then they swapped out one of the original five for a new one. His first day, right up the ladder. Gets his little monkey ass beat. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, he has no reason, you know, why is this happening? Yeah, he has no idea. You know, the other four know, he touches those, we're going to get ice water. Right. So, you know, it continues for a while. Well, then they substitute out a new one for one of the original four left. Yeah. So we have three originals, one semi-new, and one brand new. Yeah. Brand new guy shoots up the ladder. The other four, including the new one, now beat him up. Yeah. For touching the bananas. Yeah. And the the one that joined the session before doesn't understand that he will get punished. Yes. He, he has just, no concept. Yeah, he has no concept of punishment. So this continues until it's, you know, a brand new set of five. Right. And they have all followed this rule. You touch the bananas, we jump you. <laughs> <laughs> and... Again, like you said, they have no idea why. Right. And if you could ask them, it'd probably be along the lines of, this is how things are. (laughs) We don't know. This is just how the world works. Right. But they have no concept of the original ones who got punished with ice water. Right. You know, so it's, like I said, it's, it's not necessarily a true story or a fake story, but it's 
it's an example of how people get set in a mindset. Almost like mob mentality. To an extent. Yeah. You know, you are trapped in this this is our box, this is how our world works. Right. You Act accordingly. Exactly. Yeah. You know? I, I think it teaches you that, hey, you need to question some shit. Don't just do it because that's what you think you're supposed to do. Find out why the fuck you're beating up this monkey. Exactly. You know, and, and kind of thinking about it with uh, the topic of today, it, it makes sense in a way, you know, we're all kind of trapped in our box. We all follow the rules. It's it's hard to break out and, you know, ask sure. for help or mm-hmm. seek help because you don't want to break that normal that's been set yeah because i mean like in some media and even like you know your friends or whatever like if you go to therapy you know you're a fucking crazy person you know if you you know if you're depressed you're a sad little bitch or whatever you know like that's yeah this is the kind of you know growing up that's kind of what i heard you know what i mean exactly and um so i mean it's it's weird like you know now um i guess in our day and age it's becoming vastly more accepted which is awesome you know, for everybody, you know, um, it took me like, I, I went to therapy as a teenager and then as a young adult, but as a young adult, I was forced to. And, um, because of what happened to me or whatever, I would, you know, the court, you know, or, you know, I was, I was told I had to, you know, the hospital and everybody. And then, um, here recently, you know, during my sleep studies and stuff like that, you know, work or whatever, it was getting like just super fucked up. And they were like, we, we need you to go see a therapist. All right, cool. So that's what I did. And I mean, it's not it's not something I, I didn't want to do. But like, you know, as a teenager, I didn't understand why I was going to therapy. You know what I'm saying? Because I wasn't I didn't realize I was sad. I was angry. And that's why a lot of people, especially uh, men, deal with sadness is they act out in anger of some kind. You know, if they're upset with whatever, they just fucking go in fits of rage. And because they don't know how to understand what's happening to them. You know what I mean? Because. You know, as a kid, you know, you start crying or whatever, your dad or whoever is man up. You know, that's a big one that's yeah. said. Rub and some that's fucking dirt on it. Exactly right. I mean, that, you know, that, you know, that probably fucked you up as a kid, you know, hearing that, you know, and it would have been better, like, you know, your dad just reassuring, like, yeah, no, it sucks, but it's going to be okay. Like, let's sit down and chill here for a second. And I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, uh, in today's day and age, it's getting better, a lot better. I mean, if you just look at it in the terms of, and, and look, today's episode is a lot more serious. We know that, but mm-hmm. sometimes we need these things. If you look at it in the terms of children, when you ask a doctor to tell you they're going to have fits, they're going to have outbursts because they don't know how to verbalize or even understand what's wrong or mm-hmm. what they need. Yeah. So as adults, if we're not taught, hey, this is how you deal with this. Right. You need to be able to verbalize what you need. Mm-hmm. Then we're just going to fall into the same traps as a child does. Yeah. And we're going to act out in ways that are not acceptable under any circumstance. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, opening this dialogue is important to everybody. Yeah. Not just men, but I mean, men specifically this month. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I think is, um, I was telling my sister about this. We had breakfast the other morning and, um, I was, you know, she asked, uh, or I was telling her about it and kind of stuff like that. And, um, that, that morning before breakfast or whatever, I was, you know, scrolling through TikTok, you know, looking at silly shit. And, um, there was, I saw a slew of videos of women bashing the fact that it's mental, you know, men's mental health month because, you know, they're feminists, whatever men are the patriarchy, you know, we have all the fucking power or whatever. And I'm like, you know, like we're not 
trying to fight against anybody you know we're trying to we're trying to live happy lives too you know like we have all these support groups for women and stuff like that but then if you look up the statistical logic of it like there is you know we don't in cincinnati there are five crisis centers for women five in just cincinnati alone there is not one in a hundred miles from here and it's sad you know what I'm saying? The well, closest a men's crisis center. Mm-hmm. Are, men's- are men's crisis centers even a thing? <clears throat> there is one that I have found, and it's in like fucking California and shit. Like it's way the fuck out there. Now there's crisis centers that like will accept men, but like that is like a very niche thing. Like it's um homelessness and shit. Can I can I play devil's advocate here real quick? Sure, go ahead. Is that because women suffer from domestic abuse on a much higher level than men do? That is that is part of the reason I feel like, and I'm not, you know, and that's not, and like I'm not discouraging the fact that there are these this many. Like I think the ratio is off because you know when you look at that statistic, you know, uh, domestic abuse or whatever, and I didn't look that up for this episode, but I do know that men do get abused in domestic relationships, and it is you'd be amazed at the statistics of it. I mean, there's videos on YouTube and shit where, like, you see a guy, like, it's all staged, of course, but you see a guy kind of manhandling a woman or whatever, and everybody and their fucking brother jumps in. But then you watch the same thing, you know, but reversed, where this girl is walking behind a dude calling him fucking stupid and all kinds of shit, smacking him or whatever. People are laughing about it. And that's... Yeah, and a lot of those videos, they have the women get a lot more violent than they had the male actor get. Yeah. And that no one, no one bats an eye, or they just think like, man, he really fucked up. Did he get this treatment? Like it's, it's so normalized. Yeah, and it's that to me is sad. Like you know, if I saw anybody beating up anybody, like, hey man, what the fuck's going on? Now if it's two dudes fighting, I'm gonna let them go at it. If it's two women fighting, I'm gonna let them go at it. But like if it's between men and a woman, like hold on a second, like let's calm down. Like there might be like actual beef, you know, whatever, something stupid, but like. A lot of times it is, you know, nothing significant. You know, you're just acting out for whatever. And I think that's, you know, like watching those YouTube videos, man, like it's a real eye opener. You know what I'm saying? It's sad. Um, so like, and I mean, we can go into the statistics, whatever. I haven't pulled up or whatever, but it like, you know, men get, you know, mistreated in a lot of different areas, you know, family courts and stuff like that, you know, custody battles and all that shit. Like I know men who aren't allowed to see their children, and I mean personally, I know men who are great guys, and they would, you know, they are excellent fathers, but they have one day a week with their kid for visitations because they fucked up one time and hit it, you know, hit their wife or whatever, or you know, they fucking got a DUI or something like that. That's one guy's case. Is he got a DUI after his son was born or whatever, and they were going through a fucking divorce. And he was drinking heavily, using that as a coping mechanism. And because he got a DUI, he has to have visitations. Like, he doesn't, he can't stay alone with his own son at all. And his son is now four. Like, and the court won't reverse it. He hasn't, he's been to AA and all kinds of shit. And there's nothing for him. And it's, it's sad, like, when you look at it that way. And I mean, you know, and I'm, you know, this, you know, when it's, and that's one of the things with the TikTok thing, you know, when I was telling my sister about it, like, you know, men's mental health, you know, specifically the month, isn't trying to say like, hey, listen, we don't care about women. That's not what it's saying. It's this month we're going to focus on the men. It's just like any other, wet, you know, fucking breast cancer awareness month. You know, that predominantly affects women. So we're going to highlight the women who have survived breast cancer and whatnot. Black History Month, we're going to we're going to look at the, you know, the 
the large black you know black community and stuff like that you know the history that they've helped create or whatever like we're going to highlight those in you know those things and like this is another one of those things and then you have these hardcore feminists or you know women or whatever who just want to shit on it and that to me like you know as somebody who suffers from this part of the problem yeah like that is you know that's detrimental or whatever like i've had women like tell me like you need to quit being fucking sensitive like you know quit being a bitch about it like okay like, all right, you got it. And I kind of just leave the situation or whatever. And, like, you know, as I've gotten older, I've become vastly more of a wimp, dude. Vastly more of a wimp. I just, you know, all right, whatever, cool. I'm just fucking dip out of here. I don't think it makes you wimp. It just makes you more self-aware. That I don't need to put up with this. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to remove myself from the situation. Sure. I'll say that, that a depressed man, that you know that they're depressed, that they have outwardly told you, like, hey, something's wrong, those are the strongest people I have ever met. Some Absolutely. Of the best people I have ever met. Oh, Absolutely. Because they know how to handle mm-hmm. themselves a little better. They know how to treat other people a little better mm-hmm. because they're they're more self aware. Sure. And the well, more self aware you are, I mean, honestly, the better of a person you're gonna be. Yeah. I also think it comes from a, a headspace like similar to my own. Like I know what it feels like to be in this spot. If I can help stop somebody else from feeling that i'm going to do my you know best absolutely no i full heart wholeheartedly agree and i no I, it that mindset i think needs to be spread more you know what i'm saying like if you're feeling a certain way don't let others feel that way you know i've i've you know i suffer from loneliness you know what i'm saying and so like when i when i hear people talk about like man i did nothing this weekend i just sat in my house like do you want to do something next weekend? Like, I didn't realize you were alone. Like, do you want to hang out? Well, I think that comes back to the whole issue of it's, it's hard for People men to re- specifically yeah. to reach out mm-hmm. to a friend or a family member, be it male or female, mm-hmm. for that, you know, especially, uh, I don't even know what to consider our generation here, but our generation specifically and sure. even the ones before us, it's like we don't talk about. Yeah, it's things. almost taboo. Yeah. It's and almost that, taboo. That's how I was raised by my mother, by both my fathers. Like it was nut up or shut up. Yeah. It was like, exactly. and then, and then here I am like having to find my way through the world mm-hmm. and figure out things. And, and luckily I've had great friends mm-hmm. growing up and I, I have great friends now and you all that have, that help me every day, whether you realize it or not, but going back to being alone, mm-hmm. sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too. If somebody's not open about, you know, how they're feeling, like you, you might just think they want to be alone. So you're not going to invite them over. So either sure. talk about how you feel or don't be afraid to invite yourself somewhere. Mm-hmm. If one of my friends invites themselves to my house, I'm not going to turn them away. Absolutely. For one, I like hanging out with you guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? If one of you guys shows up at my door, as long as I'm not putting my kids to bed at that moment, I'm going to be like, <laughs> come on in. If I'm putting my kids to bed, I'm like, ah, give me a minute. Right. But I'm never going to turn away somebody at my door. Well, that's, I mean, like, Miles knows this, you knows this, and any anybody, any of my friends, like, I straight up say, like, you don't even have to fucking knock when you come over. Just come in and chill. Like, um, hell, Otto has woken me up before. Like, you know, he's had, you know, he's had his string of bad days and he'll just come in my room and say, hey, shorty, get up, fucking crawl the fuck out of bed or whatever. Like, and, you know, even having insomnia, I tell these guys, like, sleep means absolutely nothing to me if you guys are struggling. You know what I'm saying? And I 
I can't stress that enough. Like I sleep two or three hours a day, but I would sleep none of it and struggle through work just to make sure you're okay and you had somebody to talk to. I'd much rather deal with Yeah. Exactly right. I don't I don't want I don't want somebody to feel the way I have felt before. Well, you got some statistics. Statistics? Yeah. Um, Shit. Yeah, kind of, uh, there, there are more facts about it. Um, they're not really, they're not laid out like statistics or whatever. One of them is. Um, but uh, specifically, you know, uh, there's other signs that give us a bigger picture of the state of men's mental health. Um, this was updated in October 1st of 2021. Um, men are three times as likely as women to die by suicide. And one thing I did read uh, going a little bit more into that was saying like, it's not even just about depression. It's about men who fear unemployment or fear um, losing a relationship or have lost a relationship or something, you know, something else in their life or whatever. Um, Because the fear of failure is a huge component in that. And as men, you know, we are um, almost viewed as if the only thing that matters is our accomplishments. And I've seen that a lot, you know, growing up or whatever. You know, my dad often, like, his spouts of depression was from not being able to get us what we wanted for our birthday or Christmas or whatever, you know. And um, As a kid, I didn't realize it, but as an adult, like, you know, he's really opened up about it, and it blew my mind, you know, because I – I've told you and you got, you know, you guys, but like I've had, I had a very blessed childhood. You know what I'm saying? Like I might not had like all the luxurious shit, you know, and fancy toys and stuff like that, but my parents gave me everything they absolutely could. And as an adult, I hear my dad complain, you know, to himself that he wasn't able to provide for us. What? And he said, yeah, not being able to get you, you know, the game system or whatever you wanted for your Christmas or your birthday. Like, he said it really bummed me out because I would ask for it, and he was like, sorry, bud, you know, can't afford it. And As a parent, that that is a big thing for yeah. me. Is, and I'm sure Miles can attest to this. Oh, yeah. Like, you want to give your kids the world. Yeah. As, as a father. And I'm sure mothers do, too. Yeah. But as, as a dad, like, I want to get my kids everything they want mm-hmm. and everything they need, and sometimes all I can do for them is what they need. And whereas – it's even hard for me to say this, whereas that is – being a successful parent, mm-hmm. it still doesn't feel like being a successful parent. Right, because you always feel like you can do more yeah. or you should be able to do more. And, I mean, that's one thing I don't understand because I'm not a parent. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I have my nieces and nephews that I, you know, I absolutely love providing for and getting them everything they can, you know, and my, my friends, you know, that's what I include. But I see this kind of stuff go on with men and it blows my mind. Like, you guys are doing, like, you guys are doing great. Like, you both love your children more than anything in the world. I see you guys fight for your kids, and there is nothing more in the world that any kid could ask for. Because I've seen deadbeat-ass dads who could give a fuck less that they have a child, and that fucking pisses me off. Like, dude, do you know how much I would fucking slaughter to have a child? Like, have a loving wife or whatever? Fuck you. You're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, back on topic. Um, <laughs> men aged... 40 to 49 have the highest suicide rate in the world like that. I don't know why, but like, and that, I guess that goes with like, um, the losing of a job or relationship or divorce or whatever. I would also put that, you know, that 40 to 49, you said, Mm -hmm. well, just for me and even you, that's, that's prime 
kids hitting 18 to sure. 21, you know, they're going to start moving out, you know. They don't need me anymore. Yeah. And I'll tell you now, creeping in on 40, I, I'm still a few years away, but I don't feel like where I should be in my life. Mm-hmm. And I know that's affected me a lot lately. Yeah. Whereas I'm in a good spot, but mm-hmm. don't feel like where I should be where I'm at. And it's affected me mentally lately. So I think that's a lot where that age range comes from because, mm. let's face it, men mature a little slower than women. Yeah, so oh, absolutely. I'm hitting, I'm hitting 40. I'm getting close to 40, and I'm I'm really trying to evaluate my life and, like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm. So, I mean, that affects me. So Oh, yeah. I mean, you have that. You know, your place in the world is still being questioned. You know, like I said, kids are hitting that age where they're starting to sprout out and go their own pathway. It kind of... You know, that little bit of your fatherly role, you know, however successful you think you're doing is now really kind of put to the test. Like, they don't really need me anymore. What do I do with myself? Mm-hmm. Now, see, one thing I know, uh, talking with my dad or whatever, um, he got really bummed out when I turned 18 and moved out because I was the youngest, you know. Um, and he told me that all the kids did this. But for me, it was the hardest because growing up, me and my dad have always been super tight. And, you know, as soon as I turned 18, I had all the freedom in the world. I could do what, literally whatever I wanted. I moved out. I had my own car. I could, I could thrive. And um, I was probably about 20 years old. I mean, two years or whatever. Um, but, I mean, I went weeks or months without seeing my dad. And I, did, I didn't think nothing of it because, you know, I knew, I knew my dad loved me and then he knew I loved him. But then I started coming around more and he was, like, showing genuine appreciation for me making effort. And, like, now, like, I mean, he's my best friend. I call him whenever the hell I want. I spent an hour and a half on the phone with him yesterday. Like, I called him for no reason. But I was like, hey, Dad, what's going on? Oh, not a lot. Playing Minecraft. And we we talked for an hour and a half just about whatever. We talked about uh, our trip Saturday um, down to the taco shop. Kangaroo tacos and tarot cards. Yeah, I mean, we we saw all kinds of weird shit. My dad gave me, like, you know, he told me a story about his life growing up that I never knew. And we went into this huge discussion about faith and where it lines up with all this kind of stuff. I mean, it was crazy. And then I have breakfast with my mom, and that lasted three and a half hours. Yeah, that lasted a while because I was waiting to call you. Yeah, I was like, I was like, he's like, hey, do you work? Are you staying over? I was like, no, I'm off work, but I'm having breakfast with my mom. I didn't get done with breakfast until after 10 o'clock, which is when I would have gotten off of work. And I was like, I, I told my mom, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, how did we sit here for this long? And mom's like, I don't know. Like, it got to the point my mom was like, we need to leave the restaurant. Like, we're taking up this lady's table. Like, yeah, you're right. It's getting busy. So then, and then we stood in the parking lot for another 45 fucking minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, it was ridiculous. I think it's just part of, you know, us growing up and, you know, kind of connecting on how our parents were with us when we were younger. Yeah. So there's a lot more to talk about. You know, we don't might not get to see each other as much, mm-hmm. you know. Were you were you close with your parents? Yeah, I still am. See, yeah. I was I was raised, you go do whatever the hell you I didn't spend time with my parents. I spent next to no time with my parents. I knew my parents loved me and they did. Mm-hmm. And it was just their parenting style. I loved my parents, but I spent absolutely no time with my parents. Wow. None. From the moment I woke up, I was outside. I come home, I eat dinner, and I'd go stay at a friend's house or I'd go play some more. As soon as I come back in, I went to my room and played. Mm-hmm. I didn't hang out in common areas of my house. Me and my brother, we'd go run off, do our own shit. When sure. my sister got old enough, we'd go run off, do our own shit. Mm-hmm. I did not spend a lick of time. With now, when 
when you say you go home and eat dinner, did you guys have like family dinner around the table and stuff? Yeah, we we okay. would sit around the table, but it was also we didn't talk much once we were eating. Once we were eating, we were eating. Right. My dad, because my dad, my adoptive father, he owned his own company, so and he would work till dark every day. Sure. No matter it, middle of summer, it gets dark at nine. That's how long he's working. Mm-hmm. He owned his own company, did construction. You have to work with the light. Yeah. Basically, so. I didn't get to see him much, but he, he did do a good job of growing up of a certain, a few things that I don't, when he had a free day, he was doing, he tried to do something with us. Sure. Now we didn't always want to do something with dear old dad because we're kids. And at this point, I'm you want to go to, play with your friends. Right. I'm not used to spending time with my parents. Right. So it was like, and my mom, she was just like, that was the person who, who fed me. Mm-hmm. Like, so I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my parents. So. But when I did, and I had an issue, it was like, hey, rub some dirt on me. You know, yeah. Right. So. Hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean, mine was similar to that. You know, you go run around with your friends, you're at school, whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. But we still had, you know, dinner time, everyone sitting around, or, you know, we might hang out in the living room for a little bit in the evening before we all kind of, like, went to our room type of thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's definitely kind of weird looking back now. You're like, man, didn't really talk to him this much or spend that much time in now you have three hour yeah. breakfasts. Well, and- I mean, like, and this is why I tell people, like, you know, and I've always had a very estranged setting or whatever. Um, because my my sister and my brothers could talk about this as well. Rosemary specifically, because she was right next to me. She's only a year older than I am. But um, we spent a shit ton of time with our parents. Because being homeschooled or whatever, my mom and dad turned every fucking vacation into a goddamn field trip. Like, you're going to learn something. Oh, damn it. Like sightseeing, all kinds of shit. But then dad would like take us to the museum on Sundays and shit. It, because my mom was working uh, second shift and he was, he said he wasn't a good parent with kids, like little kids. When we became teenagers and young adults, he was great. But as little kids, he didn't know what the fuck to do with us. So he would take us to the museum and let us play. And, I mean, you know, I still remember trying to drag him in to the fucking play area with me. And they had me late in life. So, I mean, my dad wasn't a young, spry kid. He couldn't do all the shit. But, I mean, I remember going on a vacation or going up to New Jersey with him and my uncle, you know, hanging out with the rest of the family or whatever. And I was the only kid. But I got to sit there and listen to my dad and my uncle and, you know, aunt or whoever just sit there and bullshit. But I spent, I mean, a lot of time with my parents. And it's weird hearing, you know, like you guys talk about it. Like, yeah, I didn't spend any time with my parents. I'm like, man, that's fucking like to me, that is a foreign world. Like, I could not imagine not hanging out with my dad as much as I did as a kid. It's foreign to me now because I spend every if I'm at home, I'm with my kids. Right. In the same room as my kids. Mm-hmm. At all times when I'm at home. Now, my oldest, she's starting to veer off a little bit. She'll spend some time in her room. Sure. For the most part, if I'm at home with kids from, let's say, the time school ends until it's bedtime, mm-hmm. we're in the same room all but maybe a half an hour. Right. So mine's a little bit more varied just because you know, they're vastly different children, you know. Yeah, sure. They all kind of, you know, well, oldest wants to go play his Xbox, youngest wants to go play Barbie's. Hmm. You know, they might set up shop, you know, in the same room or, you know, relatively close, you know, bedrooms, you know, mm-hmm. the same area, you know, and then of course, you know, dinner time, we'll go sit down and watch a movie or whatever before bed, hmm. but it's, it's, 
But you make that time, like, you know, sit down and watch a movie before bed. You make that time to spend with them. Yeah, that, and that's I think, like our little bit of time. Like, hey, this is this is our time that we're going to spend doing just this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not to say, you know, she's not playing Barbies. She, you know, oh, come play Barbies. Okay, I'm going to come play Barbies. But, you know, I, I know little Christian uh, Barbie here is talking smack about schoolgirl Barbie here. And there's going to be trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get real into it. Now, I'm, I'm here for that. And I think that's really important as far as, like, being a, a, a father, really, is making sure you spend time with your children. And I think now, like, we're in that cool generation setting because, like, we all like anime. Our kids are eventually going to – your oldest – My oldest loves it. Exactly right. My, my youngest would be like, can we watch Black Clover? Can we watch Naruto? So I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah turn that shit on. Dude, I, I, I can't tell you. Like, I was watching my nephew. And he was about 12 years old. And he was like, do you know what Dragon Ball Z is? And I was like, you little motherfucker. Do you know how long I've waited to hear that question from you? (laughs) Sit down, please. I bust out the VHSs. And I was like, bro, we're watching DBZ. Yeah, VHSs. I'm telling you, bro. Let's uh, let's wrap this up with one more thought. Um, Medication. I I grew up, I was heavily medicated until high school. And even then, I was supposed to be heavily medicated. Mm -hmm. Because with the ADHD, I have a real problem. One of two things is going to happen with me. I'm going to hear every word you say and be able to recite it back to you. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to hear every word you say and not know what the fuck you're saying. It's going to literally sound like the Charlie Brown. And I'm not going to (laughs) realize it until afterwards and I try to recall something you said. Sure. So I don't always know it's happening when it's happening. So, like... That is a big issue for me personally mm-hmm. with with my mental health. It's like mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck's going on around me half the time or I know too much of what's going on, on around me the other half of the time. Hmm. Now, when I was younger, I didn't have a problem with focusing because I was heavily medicated. Sure. But I was also not happy. I didn't feel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was a big problem. And, and I remember, you know right around the middle school time, like I started realizing like I'm doing all these things, but nothing, I don't really enjoy any of it. Mm-hmm. Playing all these sports. I don't really care for it. I'm in martial arts. I don't really care for it. Like I could sit and play video games for hours, but I was so enthralled and I'm like, I didn't even know if I was enjoying them. I was just, it was a means to an end. So I personally, that's they ex- give me my medicine. And that's I, escapism. They, they, they give me my medicine and I, I just toss it out. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it at school. I start to realize I'm feeling more, but my focus is leaving. Mm-hmm. So I have to actively try to listen. Mm-hmm. I can hear just fine, but I have to listen. Right. So what are your all's thoughts on medicating? Because I know it's really helpful for some, mm-hmm. but for others like me, it's it, it changes who I am at a core and it takes away joy. Uh, uh, it, it's hit and miss. Like you said, can work fantastic for some people. Others, not so much. Uh, myself, I didn't start getting medicated until, you know, young adult. I was medicated in kindergarten. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking, I'm 19, 20 years old. I'm out on my own type deal. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just sapped everything from me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about just like emotion. It was just desire to eat, gone. Sleep, gone. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, there's chunks of times that I just... I have no recollection of, you know, there'd be times I'm going into work eight in the morning. I'm popping in behind my desk and then boom, it's lunchtime. I just lost four hours of my day and I have no idea what happened. Right. You know, so that was, it was not fun. 
Yeah. And my my experience is like the only medication that I can actively recall how I felt on was mood stabilizers and I could not tolerate it because <clears throat> because I was so erratic and angry and stuff like that that's when I got on them. I went from I went from going 60 every second of the day just pissed off to chill as shit. But with that, I had no desire to do anything. I was very melancholy. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, cool. Neat. I wasn't excited about anything. I, you know, even the shit that I loved, you know, um, I didn't care about. I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I just blew shit off all the time. My friends wanted to hang out. I'm like, eh. Like, I didn't want to do it. I would just sit. And I couldn't, the medicine made it to where I couldn't focus on even my own internal. So I couldn't sit there and, like, gather why I was sitting there. I was just numb. You were just there. Yeah. And I, it might have been um, it might have been the antidepressants as well with that. But then I stopped taking the antidepressants, and that still didn't fix anything. So then I got off the mood stabilizers, and um, at the time I was in therapy, and I was discussing it with my therapist because she had or he had asked if I wanted to go on the medication. I told him no because this is the way me way it made me feel and stuff like that so it is and i know um camden specifically he like he he needs his medication he says he does um but every now and again he has to take a break from it because he the medication the antidepressant specifically um is what he's on um and i don't know exactly what kind you know they're all different um and some affect people differently um but he it numbs him he still feels, but it's very watered down is how he's described it. So every now and again, like I'll notice when he's not on it because like he'll be downstairs watching a movie or whatever and a, you know, sappy movie or whatever. And he will be sitting there bowling his eyes out. And you know, it's cause he ne he says he needs to feel every now and again. And that's very important, you know? And you know, we have, you know, we all have a very, you know, like, not necessarily unspoken bond. You know what I'm saying? Across like me, Camden, and Donnie because we all live together or whatever. Um, but like we see each other crying. We just pat each other on the leg and go about our day. You know, like if you need to talk into, like you come out and talk, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's uh, that's really important. And, you know, knowing, knowing how the medicine affects you and taking it. Because I know people who are on mood stabilizers and love it because it melt it like keeps them even they don't freak the fuck out you know because it's really big with uh people who suffer from bipolar disorder so that's a really big one and seeing like they need that leveling ground you know antidepressants are really good for some people because sometimes they get to that super low point and um they haven't found a right coping mechanism yet to help them no, and that artificial boost to, you know, the, the good chemicals. Yeah, really the serotonin helps. and shit, yeah. And I think that's that's really challenging for some people to really understand, you know. And that goes back to the whole thing with therapy. You know, like, people hear that you're on medication or whatever, like, oh, you're fucking psycho and shit like that. And it's not the case. Like, some people actually fucking need this. Yep. And I think, you know, normalizing it is bigger the issue than anything, like, we need to normalize talking about this kind of stuff, you know, whether it be men or women, you know, men more so specifically because one of the biggest things is we're conditioned not to be allowed. Exactly right. And I mean, I even see that now and I'm guilty of it, you know, like now, you know, as I think about it, you know, I've said this shit to my nephews 
And I'm like, fuck, man, like, I shouldn't have said that. And now I'm, you know, I try to validate them. Like, you know, if they're upset about something, like, I try to bring them up. Like, hey, guys, listen, like, what's going on, man? Like, talk to me about it. You know, why are you upset? But as, you know, as a teenager or as I was younger or whatever, when they were little, I would say, like, shut up, quit fucking crying. Like, it's not gonna, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I was invalidating their feelings. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about was um, I asked the boys in the group chat um, from D&D. Um, like, f- fuck, our group chat is called Sad Boys Doing Sad Things. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it's called. Great. And um, because we all have depression, every single one of us. Um, and we all openly talk about it. Like, usually the last hour or two of us hanging out after D&D is us talking about what we've been struggling with the last month or week or however long it's been since we've all seen each other. So, I mean, that's really helpful. Like, it's a group therapy session. I think that's really helpful. And one thing that give, you know, um, I'm going to name drop him. I don't give a shit. Like, if he gets upset, he gets upset. Um, Gibbs at first was saying he suppresses the hell out of it because he doesn't want that stuff to come up. He doesn't want people to see it, especially his wife and kids. Um, He says one thing that he does do to help combat it or feeling like he's drowning in it is validating himself reassuring himself that he is doing a good job he is being a good father or you know he is his life is worth meaning of whatever and um auto he said the same thing like he would get in these head spaces that none of this would matter if i was dead and uh if you suffer from depression like that that sentence hit home you know what i mean um because you get in that headspace where you don't feel fucking worth a shit. And the whole thing is, is like, you know, looking on that brighter tomorrow, like it's going to get better. It's got to get better. It's got to get better. And you just keep pushing and fighting for it. And I mean, like, that's really all that was said in the group chat. It was very short and sweet, but like seeing, seeing your friends, especially and you know, the ones you love dear or whatever, or even yourself, you know, like you need to validate your feelings. You need to sit there and say like, listen, this is going to get better. Um, one thing I try to do is pretend to be happy. Like I always have a smile on my face and I always do, you know, silly shit or whatever. And, um, I freaked out people at work and just around here or whatever. Like I will say something straight face as fuck dead ass serious. And it's depressing as hell. And all of a sudden everybody's looking at me and I was like, Oh shit, I fucked up. And I instantly turn on a smile and say something sarcastic. And then they're like, whole shit and my friend Haley come up to me and she's like shorty are you seriously okay and I was like seriously she's like yeah and I was like no and I um, like at the time because I was going like I was just really bad in my head this was fairly recent um I told her I said Haley we can't talk about it she's like why and like I lift like I was outside and I lifted up my sunglasses and my eyes are turning red because I'm trying to hold back the tears I don't want to cry at work I said I would appreciate it if I didn't cry at work she goes okay and she, like, left me alone. And then later on, while I'm on the line chilling, she comes over, Shorty, do you want a hug? I was like, yeah, I'll take a hug. And, I mean, it's because, you know, like, you know, you, you have this persona of yourself. You know, you, you know, you're a comedian, you know. Like, if people don't see you laughing, something's obviously wrong. You know what I mean? So, like, you have that persona about yourself that if you change it slightly, people are going to fucking notice, especially people you are around. Um, one person that comes to mind is Robin Williams. Like, everybody was shocked. You know, and it hit a lot of people in the heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was the happiest man who could make anybody laugh no matter what. And when, you know, when he passed away, like, that hit a lot of people, you know. And so, I mean, 
<clears throat> and he didn't reach out, and that was probably the biggest thing, the biggest detriment or whatever. They did a documentary on and everything. Um, but I think that's that's the most important thing is validating yourself, t- reminding yourself that it's going to get better, and seeking ways to make it better. Um, I think is the most powerful thing we can do as you know men or men or women really. And if there are women listening, validate the men in your life. Tell them they're handsome. Tell them they're good looking and show them some appreciation. You know, like it's one of the saddest things I've ever read is the first time a man receives flowers is at his funeral. And that is so fucking sad. That that's true. It is true. And it's fucking sad. Now, here's the thing. I wouldn't like if somebody got me flowers, you'd feel weird about it. I'd feel weird about it, but I would appreciate like, wow, this is what it feels like. Yeah. Type thing. You know sure. what I mean? But I mean so I'm I'm lucky to have a very healthy relationship where she's never got me flowers, but she does other things for me. Sure. That it's like you don't always realize what you're getting until mm-hmm. you try to remove yourself from the situation and look at it from the outside in. What do you mean? So she'll just pick me up things that when I quit smoking mm-hmm. after a month she went out and she got me a couple shaker bottles, some some uh, dark chocolate caramel stuff because I love dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What's this for?" She's like, "I yeah, ain't smoked in a month." Yeah, dope. Yeah, and that's no. See, that's that's awesome. Like having somebody there to like share in your progress or whatever. Like that's awesome. She's val, you know, she's validating you. She's showing you support or whatever. And that's that's something a fair amount of men don't get. And I think that's. You know, it's sad or whatever, you know, and like, I remember one time I didn't hear the phrase, I love you for like three months. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. And I, like, I always say that to girls, like all the time at work, I just walk by and say, I love you. <laughs> and I, I, I say it to dudes too, cause I don't give a shit. Cause like, I don't know how long it's been. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, you know, and I say, I say it to people even that I don't love, you know what I mean? But most of the people I do love. Or whatever. But then I stopped and helped this girl Heather out at work. And she said, I love you. And it dawned on me how much I needed to hear that. Because most of the time I just hear, I love you too. And it doesn't hit the same. You know what I'm saying? Because you had to say it first. But then when you hear it, like, oh shit. And I heard it. I stopped and I looked at her and I was like, freak the fuck out. Because I'm like, I'm getting hit with emotions. I don't know how to process right now. And I like, "Uh uh-huh. I didn't even say I love you too. I set the fucking shit down and I ran out to my fucking car and just started bawling my eyes out. In and a good I, way though, right? Yeah, I was I was happy. I walked back into work. I gave her a big old hug and I said, Heather, you don't know how much you saved my life. <laughs> Seriously. Like, and I mean, it, it'd blow your mind, dude. It'd blow your fucking mind. Well, with that, we're going to wrap it up because we went well over today. It was an important topic though. It was an important topic. So just remember, we're here for you if you need us. Again, that number for the suicide hotline is 800-273-8255. And if you do, if if anybody wants to get a hold of us and talk more on this topic, um, Tyler and I are both on Instagram and Twitter, um, Facebook even. Um, our handles are all over the place. The inner idiot's the best way to get a hold of us. Tyler will give you, fuck, I, if he wanted, like if he cares, I don't give a shit. 
He can give out my personal number. I don't give a fuck. Just call me. Tell me who you are and what's going on, and I'll gladly talk to you. We can get lunch, coffee, tea, whatever. I don't give a shit. He does like him some tea. I do like yeah. some tea. Likewise. And slap me on that list. We'll yeah. put you on there. I mean, you are our temporary host right now. Yeah. So we, you, you will be back for the next episode with a new segment. I'm excited. I got a new segment for him. Just <laughs> oh, for him. Man. He's oh, bringing man. it to the table, people. So excited. He's our fill-in <laughs> redhead. So in the meantime... In the betweens time. Remember, it doesn't matter how many monkeys you have to fight. You get your bananas. <laughs> Cue the music. We out. Oh, <laughs> oh,